The Luminous Mind, Episode 006. Being able to send your child to the school that fits your family's values, that undercuts the whole curriculum wars. Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you're ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter has really created disruptions in education as she's worked in public policy both at the state level and nationally. She also homeschools her own kids. Welcome Brianna from Western Idaho. I really respect her. She's a really fun lady. We've had lots of fun times. If you want to go ahead and briefly tell us some things about yourself with your family and hobbies and passions and then maybe what you're doing professionally. Yeah, you bet. Well, thank you for having me. And, yeah, so you and I have known one another a long time. We've been on uh, trips together and a trip to, in particular to Washington, D.C. together. That was a that was a lot of fun. And uh, we actually got some public policy work done there. That was super cool. But, yeah, I, so my husband, Tom, and I just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and so we've got three children, ages 18, uh, she just turned, and 12-year-old son, and then a 9-year-old daughter. And, yeah, for fun, I like music. I like doing music for a lot of years there. I was singing in a Sweet Adeline's Quartet and doing that, and now I've sort of switched gears, and I'm trying to learn six-string guitar and, and bass guitar, and that's super fun. Well, that's and, cool. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's so, it's just great. It's, you know, a complete change of pace. You get to switch my mind around from what I do for a living. I'm executive director of the Idaho Federation of Independent Schools, which is a new private school association for Idaho's private schools. That's awesome. And can you tell us a little bit about that and what your, like, legislative goals are? Yeah, well, so we're pretty newly incorporated, and then we've been incorporated for more than a year, but we really only recently received Title 1C3 nonprofit status. So we have a board of directors, and, and I'm the executive director, and our goal is to promote and protect Idaho's private independent schools so that they can remain, they can continue to do what they do so well. We've got a a huge variety of private schools in Idaho. As members of the Federation, we have an international baccalaureate school here in Boise. It's called Riverstone. And we also have, there's there's a type of education called classical Christian education, which is based on the Trivium, I think it's called, and very, again, very traditional and very much a religious education uh, and couldn't be more different from the International Baccalaureate type of education 
nevertheless, Idaho has all these different kinds of private schools, and they all produce great kids who are going to be able to do whatever they want to do with their lives. And just as I would love to have as a neighbor a graduate from BYU-Idaho or Gonzaga or the University of Idaho and, and or Reed College over in Portland, and those are all schools that offer a very different education. They all kill good citizens who yeah. who you yeah people who we want to have remain in Idaho and produce and and do good things for our state. So it's the same concept with the grades K through 12. You know we've got all these different kinds of educational philosophies, and we've got these great schools that are producing great graduates. Well. Darn it, I kind of think that we could use a little more of that around this state. Yeah, very individualized type educations that fit the need of the child. So Right, so, right, so exactly. Different families, different values. I mean, you know, even in homogenous-looking Idaho, we're really not that homogenous. There's quite a different, there's quite a diversity of opinions and philosophies and religions and and everything else, and, and that's okay. And so, let you know, why should we all have to have the same things in common, hint, hint, in order to have have an education? Why is it not okay? It's okay at the college level. The, the education you're going to get at BYU-Idaho is going to be very different from the education you're going to get at Reed College. But you know what? They both count, right? So yeah, what, why exactly. is that not okay at K-12? Well, and I read a great Cato article that talked about you know, a lot of people tell how our public schools create all this cohesion, but in reality, many times it's our private schools that do that, and they come together sometimes because of the educational philosophy, like like if you're going to a Montessori school, many of those parents are different religions and different life goals, but when they come together because they all are driven by the Montessori method, they tend to work better together and they actually see each other's differences. I'll have to find that article and put it in the show notes. And they said that a lot of times because they're paying for it themselves, right. it's not a compulsory thing. Like with tax money, we basically are told which schools these are going to go to. And then we end up seeing all this fighting because, right. you know, these parents want to use the money for this sort of, well, I want my child to read Harry Potter. I don't want my child to read Harry Potter. Right. I don't. And there's this, it's kind of silly, the stuff that we fight over, but because there's no religious base sometimes, it creates a problem well, where there's a lot of fighting. A lot of it, it's being able to send your child to the school that fits your family's values, that undercuts the whole curriculum wars that we're also famous yeah. for. If you are going to send your kid to a Catholic elementary school, you have a pretty good idea of what to expect. And the same yeah, thing for you're... International Baccalaureate School, the same thing for, you know, a, for a, a Waldorf method. There's nothing to fight over, or if there is, it's just within the confines of the building. But 90% of those battles that you get at the school district level just get tossed out the window. Yeah, that's awesome. So are you trying to push for, within the legislation, a voucher program where parents are able to take that state money and apply it to a private school? Is that one of your goals? or? Well, you know, that's actually not a goal here in Idaho because we would have to change the Idaho Constitution in order to have a true voucher. A Pell Grant is nothing more than a voucher at the college level. Yeah, oh, sure. I mean, those are are scholarships for a certain class of individuals, low-income students, 
that are paid for with federal tax dollars, and then those students can take those scholarships wherever they choose. And the Idaho Constitution, as part of an anti-Mormon, anti-Catholic thing that was sweeping the country at the time of statehood, and has what's called a Blaine Amendment, named for Senator Blaine. Our Blaine Amendment says that no public monies may be used for religious instruction. So you wouldn't be able to have a directly publicly financed scholarship, a voucher in essence, go straight from the state coffers to, say, a Catholic school. That just wouldn't yeah. be possible without changing the Constitution. But, but maybe a tax, a what tax is that credit called? is something tax credit. Tax a tax credit scholarship program is something we'd love to see. But one thing that we're going to try for sure this legislative session is current, let's see, five years ago, uh, well, there's something called, let's get kind of jumping the way, way back machine. And uh, I think it goes back to the mid-70s, a tax credit was enacted, which popularly was called the Museums, Libraries, and Schools Tax Credit. And it gave individuals and corporations a 50% tax credit for donation up to a certain amount to those entities. So that includes private schools, private school foundations, public schools, public school foundations. A lot of schools and school districts have their own foundations, a lot yeah. of public, public school districts. So five years ago, that credit was enlarged from, I think the old numbers were an individual could give uh, up to, could receive up to uh, half of a 50% credit of a $100 gift. So, wow. you know, and I think for corporations up to 50% of a $500 gift. Okay. So five <laughs> years ago, that was in, which isn't a lot. So five years ago, and I know Senator McKenzie from over here in Nampa, he worked hard to do this, and there were many others as well. But the credit was increased to $1,000 for individuals. So that's $2,000 for a married couple. And oh, then, wow. yeah, and then $5,000 for corporations. So when we're you, getting closer. <laughs> we're getting closer. And it's still only 50%, but it, depending on your income and, you know, your personal deductions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it could be that a married couple could give $2,000, say, to, you know, Sacred Heart Catholic School in Boise, and it would only cost them out of pocket $300. So, you know, that's a pretty good little gift right there yeah. for whoever's receiving it. Okay, that increase in the amount of the credit is set to expire at the end of 2015. That's called a sunset Ooh. clause. And yeah. the legislature, they love to do that because they like to revisit tax credits every now and again and make sure that they still want them. So our number one legislative goal for the coming session is to reenact that credit, you know, at least get it pushed out for another five years, maybe remove the sunset clause altogether. I don't know. It'll, we'll just, it'll just depend. But that's our number one goal is to make sure that that credit does not sunset, that the current levels of the credit, I should say, don't sunset at the end of 2015. Wow. And then you can include, like you talked about giving to the hospital, but you're talking about giving to schools and being able to, to give to your You get, you your get a schools. credit for, yeah, so the way it works is you give, and it's, it's actually museums, schools, and libraries. I'm sure hospitals okay. have their own somewhere, but this particular one benefits those three entities. And then some other random ones, too, like the Hispanic Council and the Fund for the Deaf and Blind and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, the way it works is that you give your school district foundation or your private school, uh, just directly to a private school, you give them a gift of $1,000, and you can then take as a credit straight off your tax bill, whatever you owe the state of Idaho. You can then take 
50% of that $1,000 or $500 straight off your tax bill. Okay. And so could you count tuition if your child was attending that school? No, and you're like, tuition does oh, not count. Okay. Yeah. And, nope. and then what about good. for us people that homeschool, all that educational resource comes out of our own pocket. That's right. And there's no, yep. And there's no tax credit there either, nope, right? No, there sure isn't. Okay. Yeah, that's, okay. A, that's a whole different ball of wax. Because the gift has to be to an accredited school, whether that's okay. private or public. But yeah, so as far as the tax credit for homeschooling, I, you bet, I'm all for it. But that has not been something that's really sell. caught fire. It's a hard sell amongst homeschoolers. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. So basically what your goal is is trying to just strengthen those private schools so that more people just feel inclined to give, right? Yep, so, yep. Okay. we would love to see. We know for sure that there are at least 2,000 open seats in Idaho's private schools today. There might be more, but we know for sure there's 2,000 plus open seats where these schools could take more kids in their classrooms and they wouldn't have to, you know, have expensive building projects. I mean, I live within the Meridian School District, Idaho's largest school district, and it's just they're, they're building schools like crazy and yeah and they all look like college campuses like crazy (laughs) and you know and meanwhile just within the within the physical boundaries of the meridian school district we have coal valley christian idaho's largest private school we have ambrose we have and then you know just barely outside it we have bishop kelly we have a bunch of excellent private schools which are not at capacity. So which would you rather do, build a brand-new $9 million high school or make it possible for families that want to send their children to those schools that already exist, <laughs> you know, put yeah. them in seats that are already there, which sounds like the less expensive proposition, right? Yeah. Well, so, and when um, you look at the way private schools bill, they're much more conscientious of, because they can't just turn around and, and tax, you know, when right. they exactly run right. over much. And so they're much more conscientious about how they spend those dollars. So Yep, yep. The bottom line is private schools produce great students. They produce great graduates. They produce kids who can then go on and do whatever they want with their lives. And so we think in a state where education is a concern, you know, there's kids who don't, for whatever reason, who kids do, who don't go on to college. And yeah. so if, if we're really serious about having kids uh, graduate from high school and go on, as the Albertson Foundation puts it, then darn it, why shouldn't it be public policy to get them into schools that are that already are a proven quantity and a proven success? And that are working for them and, and fit yeah. the child's needs. So definitely. Yep. Well, good luck with that. I hope that all, all continues. <laughs> this is a great time to take a break. If you would like to see your business grow, then contact us at The Luminous Mind for advertising space on theluminousmind.net or on the podcast, The Luminous Mind Podcast. Welcome back to The Luminous Mind. Listening to you, I know your educational philosophy has changed quite a bit. Can you tell me, like, how your paradigm has changed and what caused that to happen? Oh well, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, well, what do you like? What do you mean? What do you think? What do you think has changed since you and I last sat down and talked? It's been years, I'm sure. 
you've worked a lot in the charter movement in Idaho in charter schools, which are publicly funded as well. And then you've homeschooled and you started out with a public charter school of a virtual online school with that. Is that correct? Yep. And then now, last time I talked, I think you're doing like your own type curriculum where you're not using. Well, they are partly enrolled in the the same virtual charter school that they've been, you know, that we started off with Lodi's many years ago. And I, you know, I I still love that school and I love um, the curriculum that's available through it. I don't know, are we are we going to name names here? Can I (laughs) can I just say? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I, I, well, I love K-12. I love the product. I love the curriculum. And so to the extent that the school itself has, I think, gotten too much into standardized testing. And so they yeah. are, but we can still do some of the classes that we've always enjoyed. And, and you know, I mean, my, I guess my fundamental thinking towards, uh, this is just our philosophy here at, you know, Shea LeClaire, and this is not necessarily this is what's good for us is not what's good for the entire universe right but yeah we still have the idea that if every kid should have a liberal arts education regardless of whether that kid goes on to you know no matter what he grows up to be is he going to be an airline pilot you know i mean the guy flying your 747 i don't really care whether he's read Shakespeare, but I do want him to be able to fly that airplane well, right? Exactly. You know, so is yeah. it is it really necessary for is it really necessary for an airline pilot to have a college education? I don't know. But, you know, nevertheless, I you know, again just our personal philosophy is that pilot when he was a kid, he should have been exposed to the Western canon as it were and and the the higher things in civilization. So I still think I think that we still have that philosophy around here. Yeah, but so, you're just fitting your educational, like what you're seeing with each individual child, right? Right. Like you're yeah. saying that maybe the K-12 in math doesn't work for one child right. exactly. and then you're doing something Absolutely. different. Yep. Yeah. Yes, and so I applaud you for that, for actually <laughs> looking at each of your individual children's needs and oh, you know. and fitting it to that. So Yeah, any so, parent knows, right? Any parent of more than one child knows they're vastly different. Yes, and maybe the testing, especially for boys, that just my own personal experience has been, you know, you can get a little girl to sit down and, and you can tell them what to read. I'm not going to, you know, stereotype necessarily. Right, but right. There are children that you can sit down and say, okay, you're going to read this book and you're going to write a paper on this and there are other children that you sit down and say you're going to read this book and write a paper on this and they pretty much say I don't think so <laughs> they don't right, do it right right or you know what I'll, what you'll sometimes see I think with my friend's daughters and and neither of my daughters is like this but I've got one friend who's you know her daughter's perfectly bright and can read very well but she's got testing anxiety you know like yeah. crazy yeah. and so there's no way that she and I mean, look at who we're asking to perform well on these, you know, long, 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 and and then high stakes tests. Little teeny people, you know, how can that be right? Yeah, and that's awesome. I love how you're looking at that with your children, and maybe that's where your educational philosophy has changed, where you're able to see that the same philosophy doesn't work for every child. Right, absolutely. What was your personal educational experience? Oh, well, my personal educational experience was very conventional. I am from Boise, and I graduated from Bora High School, a public high school over here, and 
I went to college for a couple of years at a liberal arts university in Salem called Willamette. And then I transferred to the University of Idaho and, and finished off a bachelor's degree there. And, and that's it. That's my education background. And then as far as you choosing to homeschool, what was your decision behind that? You know, it was our first year of Mary Michael, my 18-year-old, her first year of kindergarten. We lived in a townhome in West Boise, and our assigned elementary school was a school that has since been torn down because it was so decrepit, and uh, it was Cole Elementary School, and, and anyone who's from around here will know exactly where I mean and what I'm talking about. It was at the intersection of what for years was Idaho's busiest intersection. It was not, didn't appear to me to be a real safe place for my little kindergartner. And so right about the time she was beginning kindergarten, child number two came along. So we weren't going to send her to Cole. And then another option could have been our parish school, St. Mark's, but that would have probably necessitated my going back to work and we had this little baby and so it's like well shoot now what are we going to do so we're like well let's give this a try and so honestly every year it's just sort of like well let's give this a try (laughs) (laughs) you know this is not necessarily something that is going to be a forever thing but you know it just keeps working out yeah exactly (laughs) so with homeschooling i'm going to give you the dreaded socialization word did you ever (laughs) worry about that and what do you do listen you know, I mean, don't you think as parents that we spend most of our time unsocializing our children, you know, with yeah. whatever they heard on the playground, what they heard on the bus, you know, what they hear. I do that anyway, and we don't live in a vacuum. We live in suburbia, and we live in very close quarters to our neighbors, and so, and we've got great neighbors, I could be wrong, and it's really nice to be able to kick the kids to the curb and not have to see them until the streetlights go on. It's a really nice yeah. thing. But, you know, nevertheless, it's not like we're outside the culture here. We're, unfortunately, for better for You worse, haven't locked right? him we're in a closet. and <laughs> Right. Yeah. No. No, not so much. So, yeah. And that's the beauty of the whole thing is that when they reach a moral quandary or they have a an ethical question, if they're in your presence, then they're going to look to you. And so how much more gratifying true. is that than a parent? That's, that's how it's supposed to be. But when the proximity is there, well, I think it happens a little more easily. Exactly. That's awesome. So with homeschooling, what do you think has been some of the biggest obstacles you face right. and what have you learned from those things? Hmm. I think the biggest problem is get to the point where it just is never done, where it's never, it can be such a time suck. And it just depends on your personality. I yeah. mean, if, if you tend to be the kind of person, if you tend to be a perfectionist, if you tend to be the kind of person who is just like, well, if I worked this hard, then if I just work a little bit more, this is going to be even better. Sometimes with homeschooling, you have to just sort of back off and say, you know what? Oh, I love that. This is good enough. This is going to work. Yeah. And you, and if I didn't, and if I missed something, you know what? They can Google it. And so yeah. they'll, <laughs> they'll figure it out. So Yeah. And sometimes the more you push as a parent, you take that responsibility to learn off the children's shoulders. And then, and and sometimes when you back off and you say, you know what, this is your education, they do pick it up. I mean, they'll go, oh, I actually have to take responsibility for this. Right. Yeah. And amazingly, they can. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that would that would probably be the biggest challenge is just sometimes it's okay to just say I've that this is what I've done and I'm you know you have to sort of I'm in this awesome co-op they've been we've been meeting a long time I don't even know how long like probably ten years now. But yeah, there's I'm just a real, jealous. yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the co-ops are so great. You know, we're really, and we've got some real talent in this co-op. And we, between the moms and the dads, we've got, you know, somebody is an expert in practically anything that you could ever study or, or talk about or yeah. bring about. Right. Or any, every unit of science, we can find somebody who that's their specialty. So the really tempting, if it's something that you know about, to just you know, really go crazy, we're going to have the best presentation and we're going to have the best field trip and we're going to have the, you know, and sometimes you don't need the best. Sometimes 80% or maybe even, you know, 60% is pretty darn good. And you just, just to, to pique their interest sometimes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And just, you know, do the thing and, and if they come back to you and they're really, really interested in electromagnetism or whatever it is, then you can find out more resources for them. But uh, not everything has to be like a cake boss, cake kind of experience. Sometimes just a plain old chocolate Duncan Hines out of the box is going to work. Well, and I love what you're kind of saying here is people are thinking about homeschooling. Sometimes they're like, well, I don't know enough in X, Y, and Z subjects to do an adequate job. But you're actually saying that, you know, reaching outside into the community. When oh, we yeah. say homeschool, totally. that's almost yeah. a bad thing to call it because it really is. I mean, you're reaching out. You're you're using a lot of different resources in the community to teach your kids. Well, it just you know, right. I I don't know any other way to do it. And it really, honestly, I don't really know any other way how to do anything because it's it's how my it's how I do my job. I mean, I certainly don't. You know, I didn't go to private schools, and I don't. I don't know the lots of. There's a lot I don't know about private schooling, and not only that, but there's a lot I don't know about how to get from point A to you know point B to point Z, where we eventually want to go. But you know, I may not know much, but what I do know is how to find someone who does know it. And exactly. honestly, you know, homeschooling is is a lot like that. Great. What are some successes that you've seen? And maybe can you tell us some personal habits you have that make you successful? Well, I would say that the greatest success of homeschooling has been that our senior in high school is, I think, going to be very she's that old. I can't either. Yeah, tell me about <laughs> it. How old does that make me, right? But <laughs> let's just not go there. I think she is going to be successful in whatever she puts her mind to. And I think that things, I think the lessons that she's learned take responsibility for her own education and not being coddled, I guess, has been very much helpful towards that goal because she really, uh, you know, there have been a lot of times when it's been just she's had to figure something out on her own. And yeah. um, that's going to always put her in good stead, I think. Well, and when you say not being coddled, I'll see if this is what you're saying. Sometimes when there's a direct teacher in front of them, it's not necessarily that the, the teacher's coddling them, but they always have somebody there, you know, to, to help them figure stuff out. And I think what you're saying is that, like you said, sometimes there's nobody there that's an right. expert at that moment right in front of them or says they're an expert at that moment right in front of them. And so that does create a situation where they figure stuff out and then they're more self-directed, right, for yeah, looking for and answers. Not only that, but they also, you know, in a classroom setting, you can sort of terrible to be the kid in the classroom who just isn't getting it. And that's a horrible, yeah. horrible feeling. 
But it's also not really good to be the top kid either because that gives you a false sense of, you know, that's, it's just not a good way to grow up. Where And then you hit the real world and suddenly, it, you know, the answer is not, not easy. A, B, C, and D and don't just spit it back at somebody and, and get an A. You have it takes skills that you never learned in school because you were yeah. spending all your time thinking, well, I've got this made. And so yeah. I think that the way that that she was educated, she really didn't have anyone to compare herself to except for herself. And so she had to sort of you know figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So so that is definitely a benefit, like being able to be a self uh, learner and motivator. What are some other ways you feel like your whole family has benefited? Boy, it's been great. We had so when she was fourteen, she uh, my husband might disagree. This is a benefit. When she was fourteen, she um, raised pretty much on her own. Uh, well, excuse me, as part of the community. Of, of people who were doing this. I When I say on her own, we did not help in her household, no way. But she ra- she raised a service uh, puppy. She got him when he was eight weeks old. Oh, he's cute, too. I've seen yeah. pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, and it's with the Canine Companions for Independence, and they outfit out of Santa Rosa, California, and they teach these Labradors to pick up things off the floor and get your keys and, you know, open the refrigerator and turn off the lights and, and be a companion for someone with limited mobility. And oh, so awesome. um, they have puppy raisers, and these puppy raiser volunteers take the puppies and get them in a family setting and, and teach them the basic commands and, you know, socialize them, basically, from the ages of eight weeks on to about 15 months. And then, so at 15 months, they go back to Santa Rosa. Well, and they and they go to college, and that's where they learn. So they go from being in a family setting to being in a kennel setting. Well, some of them wash out, and as it turns out, her puppy that she raised, Mel is his name. They come with the name because they're, you know, they have this pedigree going back in time, and they know, you know, oh, where wow. they came from and all that stuff. So they come to us with the name. And Mel was unhappy in his work. He seriously, he wouldn't work. He wouldn't do. Once he got back to Santa Rosa, he wouldn't work. And so, you know, they're like, well, uh, that's not going to work. So he was one of the, I don't know, a certain percentage of them just, you know, they don't work out for whatever reason. And he was one of them. So the first person they offer him back to is the family that raised him. And so, yeah, so we now have this (laughs) Labrador. And he's... He he is a hair machine. I tell you what, oh, they, uh, oh. those dogs. But you know that was that was a wonderful experience. And another thing that she's been able to do, well, a couple other things. She's had a job uh, where she's worked 15 hours a week since she was 16, and uh, she works at Flying Pie Pizza, which is sort of a Boise institution. It's a pizza place, right? But it's also like the cool pizza place so oh yeah she, yeah so she like feels she's pretty awesome because she gets to work there but that's been helpful in the family finances because stuff that she wants she can buy it and yeah. uh the other main thing that she so that's you know she's working 15 hours a week and some of that is over the lunch hour and she wouldn't be able to do that and you know what there is something very gratifying about a teenager having a job where when someone tells them they have to clean a toilet they have to do it just because someone told them to, because, you know, that's what you do. They want to keep their job. Right. And so it's not just your mean old mom who, you know, makes you do stuff just because I say so. (laughs) So (laughs) it's sort of good for them to find out that, 
guess what? You know, that doesn't stop at home. Once you turn, once you move out, it's not like that ends. But you whatever you want. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Guess again. But uh, the most gratifying thing that's been the case is she's been able to be part of an improv troupe here in Boise called Comedy Sport. And it's a chain. There's one in Provo, actually. So some of your listeners might be familiar with that one. They are fun. They're, if you've ever seen the show, um, Whose Line Is It Anyway? They're oh, just yeah. like they're just like that. And so they do improvisational comedy. She started doing that when she was 16. I think this is obviously her mother's so I'm prejudiced. I think she's funny, 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 funny. Yeah, I've actually so, been around her. I know she's pretty funny. <laughs> she's hilarious. And I, I hope she goes places with it. And I hope she can, I don't know, make a living doing comedy or doing, I don't know what, but she's, she's got a gift for it. And it's been something that she's been able to explore because she has time for it. And the reason she yeah, has time she has for flexible it is because hours. School. Yeah, exactly. A flexible hours with the homeschooling helps give her opportunities like that. Yep. Okay. And we'll see with the younger ones, you know, it's the, <laughs> they're, they're still pretty young, but my little dude, my little guy, my 12 year old, he joined Boy Scout this year and they're a high adventure troop right now. They're camping. Oh. They, they camp every month. So that's been good. <laughs> that's been good for him too. Yeah. Can you give us like one thing that you're doing in your family that you're most excited about and tell us what your long-term goals for yourself and maybe your family is? Uh, you know, at this point, we're just excited to still have all three kids at home with us because next year that's been changed with any luck, yeah. right? I mean, we're really still in nurturing our own children mode. But as far as long-term plans are concerned, we want to get these kids successfully launched and uh, hopefully having families of their own and, and be glamorous grandparents. So that's my, I guess that's, that's my long that's my long term my long term goal is to to you know they say that those are the that's the gratification right you know once that yeah happens, yeah exactly but yeah no that would be that that's really about it you know just good good times good family times great okay so what advice or encouragement would you give somebody who's just starting out and do you have any favorite books or resources that maybe they could use gosh you know i would just say just go for it and don't worry about it because you're your child's best advocate and you're not going to fail in the way that you're afraid that you're going to fail which is that you're not you know i am not smart enough for this i didn't i don't have you know maybe you don't have a college degree you know you certainly don't have a degree in teaching but this is your child and this is your little person that has been entrusted to you to raise and you take that obviously by even considering homeschooling you take that commitment and you take it very seriously so you're you know even if you from day to day are just like well you know today was a total waste of time there's you know that's not going to be over the continuum of doing it, that's not going to be the case. You can do this, I guess. You can find the resources. There's tons of resources out There's there. There's almost too many. <laughs> There's almost like, too ah. many. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. But it's just not – it's fun. And I guess maybe one word of caution I would say is that both spouses have to be on board with this. And oh, yes. if there's some, you know, because if there's reluctance or, or – someone's just dead set against it, I would say reluctance, maybe go for it, give it a try. But if someone, the husband, the wife, well, it's probably going to be the wife who's going to be home doing it, but not always. But if there's, if your husband is like, no way, no how, we're not going to do this, then don't. There's more than one way to skin the education cat. 
Well, and, and and likewise, if you're a husband and you're wanting your wife to do it, and she's saying right. absolutely not, do not right. push her. To, yeah, yeah, I've respect seen that. that. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, there's just you'll get him raised, you know, you'll get him educated because you care yeah. about it, and so you'll make it happen one way or the other. Yeah. Everyone's always questioning what they're doing educational-wise for their children is the best. I mean, I run into public school parents that feel the same way, you know, oh, that are sure. wondering if this Absolutely. is what they should be doing. So yeah. questioning yeah. questioning what you're doing, sometimes that's just par for the course of having yep. children. So just right. go for it. And yep, so. go for it. You're not going to hurt them. So as our last question, what changes would you like to see in the future? I mean, you have, like I said in your intro, you've been such a disruption to the education movement already. What changes uh, in the world would you like to see? <laughs> if I, if I could wave a wand, yeah, exactly. I would like to see more children into the education that truly gets them educated and the education that then helps them to grow up to be the people that they were meant to be. And that might look very, very different from one child to the next. So more choices and more ability to actually take advantage of those choices for families. Yeah, if you're a low-income family, you can't. So, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and hopefully we'll be able to see some of those changes that you're talking about. I sure hope so. so. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. We need more fire starters like Brianna. To join us, go to our website, theluminousmind.net, where you'll be able to click on the fire tab and become a fire starter today. Also, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Google+, and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as in iTunes and Stitcher. Help us continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education.